everyone, and welcome to DartCast interview number 146. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley, and joining me today, as always, is Brian Tyler, as we talk to Eric Reidman of Doborog about his game, Clone Drone in the Danger Zone. Clone Drone is a arena combat game where you are a robot fighting other robots who are made of voxels and you get to chop them up into little bitty pieces. It's, it's pretty great. Quick note about this episode, we did have some technical difficulties, there were power outages, uh, we were talking on phones, it was madness, so I hope you can ignore or forgive the technical squabbles that occur, because I think we had a great conversation and I think you'll enjoy it, so as always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. Well, Eric, welcome to the Darkcast. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. How are you? I am. I'm sweating uh, because it is <laughs> it is 85 degrees right now in the. Um, I don't want to say fantastic, but you know the the, the moderate state of of Georgia, and it was forty degrees yesterday morning, and my body is not ready for eighty five degree <laughs> weather right now. Uh, neither is my voice because I'm also drinking hot liquids in the eighty five degree weather, and it's just it's kind of the worst. Um, but um, but you know. We're here to talk about a utopia where we don't have to worry about temperatures, where we don't have mm-hmm. to worry about sore throats, where we get to live as robots and kill that's other right. robots and dismember them. And we- uh, so that's, you know, sore throats be damned, temperatures, unless there's, you know, fire that's and right. lava. Obviously, that's that's bad. But, um, but yeah, we, we can just throw off the, the cares of the... The, the flesh. Yeah. That stuff eating off the minds. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> but yeah, so we are we are here to talk about your upcoming game, uh, Clone Drone in the Danger Zone, um, which you know which actually kudos on that name. That is fantastic. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, normally we start talking about who you are, but we mm-hmm. need we need to get into this title, Clone mm. Drone in the Danger Zone. Where did that come from? I like that it rhymes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was looking on your website, and there's maybe 500 other names. Uh, and some That's of them, right. Some of them are pretty good. I, I like a <laughs> lot of them. But, uh, but kind of, where did Clone Drone in the Danger Zone come from? Uh, it's always hard to tell when you are uh, brainstorming, which uh, we were, obviously. Uh, me and my uh, design consultant slash fiancé uh, we kind of went on this uh, giant uh, brainstorming uh, endeavor. So I kind of started it, and she jumped in halfway through. And uh, yeah, we were kind of just trying to set creative constraints uh, for uh, what the name, um, what we wanted the name to sort of evoke. Uh, we kind of knew what the game was roughly, like robots. It had robots, it had swords, you're in an arena, it could be gladiator-themed. Um, so yeah, I think I kind of just brainstormed a lot of different names, a lot of synonyms for uh, robots, you know, like, uh, I don't even remember what it, what it was, but you know, like, oh, a clone, a bot, a, you know, what is that? Similarly for like, oh, sword, could be a sword, could be an edge, could be a blade, you know, like, uh, to try to kind of just find, lay a groundwork for 
how could we take uh, these kind of words that conveyed a meaning so when you heard the name you could imagine roughly what it was about um, and then there's all this other stuff in the game about uh, your consciousness is human you used to be a human but you were brutally murdered by robots and now you have been uploaded to a robot body so it would be kind of cool to uh, communicate that aspect as well um, so yeah, as you can tell, it was a very structured sort of uh, brainstorming exercise. Um, but at some point, we kind of just got to uh, like, okay, let's see, what if it rhymed? Uh, what are some names that rhymes? Um, and I think uh, when I said that, uh, Dana kind of just blurted out, oh yeah, like a clone drone and danger zone, kind of, you know, like, like that. Uh, and then we were like, yeah, that's pretty good. And then we're like, hobo robo. Great Scott, robot, robot, sword horde, fade of the blade, blade cascade, blade crusade. And then we just kind of went down like that for an, uh, half an hour, I don't know, um, which was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, uh, so we got like a ton of variants uh, and kind of just really milked the brainstorming dry until we couldn't think of any more combination of all the concepts uh, we could think of. Uh, out of sight robot fights ultra violent yeah they get they get worse as the brainstorming goes on um, and then we were like okay what do we like and it's like oh the first one that we that just blurb out of you know uh, her mind obviously is the best one of course it's, it, it's never in the last place you look because you have to look yeah. everywhere else to make sure there's not something else there uh, yeah exactly so we kind of just looked at uh, a bunch of them, and I did a little bit of research. I, I For a while, I really liked the name uh, Severed Souls, because it uh, has a dual meaning of uh, the limbs being severed, and the souls of the humans are also severed, and now they are in, in robots. So I really liked that as a concept. And it's like an, it's an alliteration, so it's kind of memorable that way. Uh, unfortunately, uh, who was it? Some guy... Famous author wrote a book that had uh, it in the Terry title. Terry Goodkind. Oh, Terry Goodkind, yeah, kind, yeah. And I'm like, well, shit, I guess I can't use this name. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that's out of the running. Yeah, exactly. It often happens. The best ones are taken, you know. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the story about about the name. Uh, we were concerned it was too long. <laughs> but I think it's it works in our favor because we're a small indie studio with a lot of attitude, so we, we do what we want and sure. uh, ignore, and, and ignore marketing best practices, you know. Oh, that that is absolutely fantastic because I mean there was um there's some game out there. I think it's like a VR uh, drone, like you're a you know um, flying drone kind of thing, and so it's kind of mm-hmm. like a first person shooter space fighting game, but you're a drone on Earth and you're mm-hmm. you're fighting other drones, and it's just called drone and I, I saw like a gif of it on Twitter or somewhere mm-hmm. and I was like oh that looks cool and I searched for <laughs> drone and I never uh-huh. found the actual game uh, because that's <laughs> like the it, there's nothing to that name it's I mean it's right. it's like calling yeah, something yeah. Halo before Halo became famous like you search Halo you're not finding anything mm-hmm. uh, and so clone drone in the danger zone I mean like you're you're only gonna get clone drone in the danger zone with that and I, I just right. tallied it up of what you had on your website and uh, we've got like 280 names here mm-hmm. um, that is that is amazing and, but I have to say that one of my favorites is uh, severed uh, bithead shithead 
that. <laughs> I, I'm quite fond of that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. We we did, went into the dirty rhymes section as a way to like I don't know. I'm a big fan of brainstorming and brainstorming uh, techniques, and uh, sometimes it's just nice to let your mind wander into places where you know there's probably no good answer uh, to be found. Uh, that's like the exact answer, but maybe you can find a concept, and that concept you can take back uh, into somewhere uh, where it would actually work. Or maybe you think of something slightly less outrageous than tough tits, robot bits. You know, like that's like <laughs> that's, that's also good. I like that one. If uh, if ever I mean, you you know if you decide to come out with like an uncut <laughs> version of the game, um, you know the adult version, then you could do that, and then you could have the commentrons and the uh, announcer bots right. uh, just you know say Sweet incredibly their, horrible things. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, they're they're robot fallacies or, or whatnot. Um, Unnecessarily <laughs> adult version of the game. Yes, uh, which is actually <laughs> not mature in any way. It's just. Right. Adult. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean uh, maybe, maybe if this goes well, we can do whatever we want. Uh, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. See what happens. Uh, all right. So we kind of we kind of jumped ahead there, uh, but to get back on the the normal uh, course of things, uh, who are you? You're obviously you're Eric. I said that earlier, but uh, who are you, and what do you do at Dobarog? So, uh, I am an indie game developer, I think is the most uh, fitting description in this, in this context. Um, and what I do at Doborog is I run the entire company, which is not that big. It's, for a while, it was just me. And uh, if you're counting the dog, it was also the dog that I have. Um, that, that's uh, fair. I mean, you yeah, almost she, count the dog. Yeah, you know, like when you're when you're like a small company, you take everything you can, anything you can kind of get. Um, yeah, but uh, no, it's a small company that I founded in, uh, well, where was it? It was like a year and a half ago, something like that? Um, man, no, it was more two years ago now, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, so... Before that, I was kind of working for uh, Electronic Arts as a gameplay engineer. Uh, but then finally, my green card arrived, and I was like, see you guys later. This has been amazing, partially. Um, now I'm going to be indie instead of this. Uh, and started this company trying to make uh, cool indie games that I really wanted to see exist in the world. And uh, then I did, and now here we are uh, with a cool game I made. Um, and I made some other games that weren't so cool that I had to cancel along the way. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Let me know what else you want to know. Otherwise, I'll just ramble on forever. <laughs> well, uh, where, where were you before? Oh, um, before before what? Before before uh, uh, where you are now? Where when you? Um... Oh, Dobara. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my. Uh, Let's see. So I started my game development career in uh, London in 2009 uh, after working as a web developer for a bit. So um, I kind of uh, I was working for a small startup and it uh, it closed down due to lack of funding. I had to get a new job, and the CEO of that company knew the CEO of uh, Playfish, which was like. Um, just kind of starting out in the uh, in the boom of social games, so uh, I joined that company 
not at the very beginning, but like in the sort of in the ramp up, rapid expansion, hyper growth period they underwent due to the ridiculous amount of money there uh, that existed in um, social games on Facebook at the time. Um, uh, so that was really exciting, and I kind of grew with that company for about two years, three years, I want to say. Um, and then they got acquired by EA pretty early, and I transferred around uh, EA to various other studios. I joined PopCap, also an EA acquisition. Yeah. Um, that was really good. Worked on a few uh, Plants vs. Zombies games. Uh, then from there, I transferred again to EA Mobile, to their uh, sort of uh, rapid prototyping division, trying to hunt for a new IP. Um, uh, and that was kind of interesting but then as often happens in EA uh, they kind of spun up these massive projects uh, with you know big brands making uh, games that everyone had already seen before uh, kind of thing they they like to do that uh, and you know there's nothing wrong in doing that that's what you do when you're a big company but uh, I did at that point I was kind of like okay no I'm done I've seen this too many times. This is not inspiring. I have zero creative control. I'm out of here, hmm. essentially. Sure. Um, and that's that's how I uh, started my indie game company. And uh, yeah, that's the story of my life. <laughs> Fantastic. So um, that's great. That's what, great. What, what all were you actually doing uh, in terms like uh, you a coder? program or those would be right. the same thing uh designer <laughs> like what what all were you doing everything a little bit of everything how, how did that come uh, no. and what what did you did you go to uh school for mm-hmm. game design or self-taught or ah right yeah so uh at ea i was mainly an engineer uh a gameplay engineer so i was mainly working on the uh uh in the games that had like both a client and a server i was co- sort of working only on the client side uh, which is like, you know, where all the gameplay happens in most games, you know, the characters moving around, all the fancy stuff on the screen. Uh, I was kind of doing the engineering of, uh, of that sort of thing. Uh, I also worked in management for a bit, so uh, there was a time at Playfish when I uh, essentially was more of an a engineering uh, studio lead, uh, coordinating with the other sort of uh, engineers, making sure they didn't sort of quit uh, or, you know, that their salaries were okay and that they were happy and uh, not assaulted politically by other groups in the company and so on. Um, So so there was a bit where I didn't do any sort of hands-on game development. And I I learned a lot from that as well. Uh, But then uh, I kind of went back to more hands-on engineering. And, uh, yeah, I would say my specialty was more... um, Kind of uh, gameplay engineering, so making the games feel really good, um, kind of take trying to take a more sort of holistic view of features, trying to like deliver them with a lot of a lot of flair, if you will, with like you know uh, tight coordination with the game designers. But of course, I was not the game designer; someone else had that role. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the life of a gameplay engineer. Uh, typically, pretty pretty good at you know brainstorming and so on, but uh, you're not you 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 have sort of like a, a creative impact, but a limited creative control if you wanna if you if you see what I mean. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Those are the sort of things I think about a lot because I like 
uh, creative control, I guess. <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, yeah, what else? Um, oh, education. Yeah, I got a master's in computer science in uh, Lund in Sweden back in the beginning of time. Uh, or I always have to look at my LinkedIn profile to find out when that was, if you guys are interested. Sure. Um, but, uh, uh, no, I don't know. It was many years ago, 10 years ago. I don't know, something like that, uh, that I graduated uh, from there. Uh, yeah, so that was very useful. Um, you learn a lot of useful uh, things that are relevant to um, making games uh, when you get like a general sort of engineer education. Uh, but then, you know, as with all as with all professions, uh, I think you learn the most from just working four years <laughs> uh, at at doing stuff. Uh, so that, so I would say that's 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 what has taught me the most. Uh, a lot of just uh, hands-on experience over time, uh, trying to do trying to make cool games uh, for big sure. companies. That's awesome. And uh, yep, yeah. mixed with personal projects, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned that uh, you kind of worked on a few other things that um, got canceled, and, and so now we're at uh, Clone Drone and the Danger Zone. Can you talk about any of those previous games? Oh, or? yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, that's one of the nice things about being a small company. You don't have to keep any secrets from anyone because no one cares <laughs> about what you do. That's true. Uh, that's, that's what you're trying to change. Yeah, you, you get to just do what you want. It's Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I was working on a game called uh, Superhuman Tactics, um, which was basically a game that was like, it was a squad-based tactical game, so a little bit like XCOM, uh, but all the uh, characters in the game were superheroes. So uh, basically, the basic idea was that everyone was super overpowered. So um, you had, like, characters that could, like, punch other characters and they would fly there was like a whole sort of you know being knocked back by an immense superhero force mechanic in the game so they would fly back and they would like you know crash into buildings and destroy the wall and if if enough walls were destroyed in a building the building would just collapse onto the characters and like do massive amounts of damage um you had like ice characters that could just freeze 15 characters in front of them so it was kind of like the division for the game was like very bombastic, very sort of exciting, big, uh, dramatic, super destructive uh, battles. Uh, and it got a lot of the way there. But I think a mistake I made was that uh, I canceled it after 10 months of development. And one of my mistakes, I think, was that it was pretty much only me on the team. Um, and... There were a lot of things, a lot of decisions I made that kind of necessitated uh, someone working on the game, possibly me, possibly someone else, with a lot of skills that I didn't really have, that I hadn't really practiced for years and years, that I was kind of just now starting to acquire. Uh, Like one of them was storytelling. Uh, (laughs) That's the thing where if you've never tried to tell a story before, you're like, well, how hard can it be? There are superheroes, one of them is like a bad guy and it's like dystopic and blah, blah, blah. Like you just kind of, you know, um, you know, you sketch something out and you sketch out, it's easy to get to a premise that you like. It's like, okay, this is the premise, great. 
now tell a story about from here and you're like oh yeah great uh, that will uh, I'll spend two weeks on it and then it will be done it's like oh no that's not at all how long that takes that's not that's not how any of this works <laughs> no exactly that's not how that works at all and you're like oh god how could I ever have thought that you could just do that and that would work uh, when it's like what 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 why do you have multiple uh, narrative designers on big games like uh, you know, why? What do they do all day after they write the story in two weeks? I don't know. What? What did they like? What is that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's super stupid, but it's like it's it's the Dunning Kruger effect, uh, <laughs> where you don't know what you don't know, and then you find out, and you're like, oh god, I'm terrible. I thought I was. I thought I didn't think I was good at it, but I thought it would be like a, a an obstacle I could just overcome really easily, um, and and like get to a mediocre level easily. But like, no, uh, you can't. You it would get to a really shitty level after a lot of hard work. That's the level. Um, <laughs> so that, I mean, so that's why it was. And at least like that's that's kind of the level everybody starts at though when they're doing right. it on their exactly. own. I mean, so you have that to look forward to. Like, no matter kind of how good you think you are, it's like, no, no, everybody starts here, and you can get better. Oh yeah, but this is this it. is the starting line. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the same with all all things: art, engineering. If you're if you're starting out as an engineer, you're the same. You're like, oh, you think, oh, this this should be easy. You think maybe, uh, or maybe you don't. But either way, it's really hard, and you write some terrible code that doesn't work and has tons of bugs and takes a long time and then like 10 years later you're just like ah oh, whatever you do that in two seconds and it did not hurt uh, at all so it's like that with, with all things and I mean and, and the second part of uh, superhuman tactics that was a little bit like that uh, was the art uh, I didn't have any, any illusions that I was a great artist um, but I kind of thought that oh yeah I could maybe get away with using um, a combination of unity assets and a few sort of um other things that I would use contractors for, uh, but I think again I underestimated a little bit how much uh, work that would be to um, get to a point where it looked really good. Uh, and I kind of just picked an art style as well that was not very stylized. It was very um, realistic, like your typical AAA game. Um, you know, it was like that was kind of. I wouldn't say it was exactly what I was aiming for. But I wasn't aiming for something that was deliberately made simpler than that. So that made that that made um, anything that needed to be added to the game really, really uh, arduous as well. It was like really you had to get like a fully high poly rigged asset that looked decent, uh, just like a you know a crate. Jesus Christ! It's just a crate. It's just a box. But that you know, it has to look good with all the other assets. Yeah, the crates—they're the building blocks of the, <laughs> the, the virtual foundation of of games right. now. Exactly. You know, you have walls. Great. Put a crate next to it. Now you have some cover. Okay. Um, and then you will need some stuff that aren't crates because that gets old really fast. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's like these things are kind of hard, and uh, you know, there are strategies you can take if you have a small team, limited uh, uh, you know of resources to get past it but it's just bigger uh, crates right <laughs> yeah <It's> just... <laughs> that's, that's not a wall that's just a really big crate yeah right. the, the exactly. ground is just crates it's... The, game, the game is called Crate Town uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, I picked I picked an art style that was too high fidelity. fidelity so the so the result was that it looked like a quarter of the way there, which looked pretty bad compared to what you could tell it was trying to look like. If you see what I mean. Mm, sure. uh, 
I was trying to look decent, but it didn't, and it would have taken a lot of time to get it to look decent. And after that point, uh, you know, it was also like, it, it feels like it was so many beginner mistakes here. Um, but it was like, it was also like an, a linear story that played out over a series of new environments. So there was that. So basically any new confrontation, any new progression needed a new level. And of course you can use the same art assets and like lay them out differently, but you also have stuff like level design that is kind of hard if you haven't done that for 10 years either. So it was just a lot of these things that were kind of all adding up together and I was like, oh god, no wait, I need 30 people. If I had 30 people on my team, I could totally make this work right now. Because I have worked in teams with a lot of people, but I don't want to get 30 people on the team because that's not what I want to do with my life right now. So I ended up just canceling that game. And I, and I would say uh, Clone Drone in the Danger Zone is largely a reaction to uh, a lot of those uh, challenges I faced trying to make that other game. Um, for the, like for Clone Drone, I was like, okay, screw it. The art style is simple enough that I can create every asset in the game. Uh, that was like a thing that I set out as a um, as a requirement. I need to be able to make all the art. That's not to say I can't get uh, you know uh, get another artist involved at some stage. But at that point, I was like, no, it has a very, very simple art style, um, and I will just make it feel really good through my engineering powers, which actually exist, as opposed to my art powers, which are like, <laughs> you know, a, a little bit of the way there, but they're not, uh, they're not great. Like, I, I, I feel like I have decent art taste. I can do some basic stuff. But uh, what I'm better at is kind of looking at the big picture and saying, like, okay, you have a shitty-looking um, uh, swordsman uh, if he is standing still. But what I can do is I can animate him. That's something I can actually do pretty well, or, you know, to a, a better degree, I can model him. Uh, and then I can add, like, screen shake and particle effects and, you know, put him in a context, make the presentation of when he comes out really spectacular. So it's like, uh, with Clone Drone, I think what I've been trying to do is optimize it for what am I good at making, essentially. And if I'm not super good at making it, I've just been like, well, then it's not about that. Then it's about something else. So I'm pretty good at designing uh, combat systems and making them feel good. So that's a lot of what Clone Drone is about. Uh, it's about, you know, uh, having a really interesting combat system uh, and having really sort of spectacular voxel destruction which is mostly an engineering problem, and that's kind of where uh, my skills lie. So from a production point of view, that's kind of most of the thinking that has gone into, like many of the decisions are maybe pragmatic rather than idealistic uh, when it comes to like, what is this game? And, 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 how, and like, how, what are the pieces that make it up, so to speak? Um, and I found that that works really well. Uh, now I've shipped this game and not that uh, long of a while. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something I'm going to embrace for uh, future games as well, trying to play to the strengths of whatever team uh, that is trying to make it uh, when that time comes. Sure. I, I imagine, like, that sounds like one of those things you say it and you go, oh, well, like, does... 
doesn't everybody try to just play to their strengths? But I mean, yeah, I you have say, great ideas like... and like you just you <laughs> want to do everything. And I imagine that is actually something that is incredibly hard to restrain yourself to, yes. to do. <laughs> yeah, scope creep is terrible. And if your game is not that good, sometimes like if you if you, if it doesn't feel like it's it's there yet. Uh, a mistake you can make is also to be like, well, if it had more features, it would be better. Then maybe it will finally be good. And it's like, that's probably not true. Uh, <laughs> you know, or it, sometimes it's not. At least not if you just make the existing mediocre experience more complicated by adding more systems to it. This probably doesn't make it better. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, like, the advice of, like, oh, you know, uh, if you're an indie developer and you're a small team or you're any team, really, your scope is probably too big. You should reduce the scope. And you're like, well, that doesn't apply to me. I already did. It. I already did. But, no, you need to do it more. <laughs> um, start, so, start with one thing. Yeah. Get that one thing right and then right. move on to something else. Exactly. What's the minimum experience that could possibly exist, uh, you know, that would be – that I could – conceivably show someone and they would be like oh that's the game I see cool yeah you, you can die you can play another level oh yeah great like start there uh, and that's kind of what I did with this game as well it's an arena fighter where you know you could like the first 10 levels of the game almost have no environment art at all it's basically just you go run out on an arena that's completely empty apart from an enemy just standing there and then like oh level 4 is another enemy like now it's 5 of them <laughs> You know, so it's very easy to build in that respect. Um, so, so I feel like that's a good thing to do uh, if you build your game like an onion. Like you start with like a thing that you know it's still a solid thing. It still kind of makes sense together, and then you add another layer uh, on top of it. And as you go, hopefully you get better at crafting the things for the game. Um, and that's the thing I found with this one as well. There's an incredible contrast between, you know, uh, chapter one of story mode, uh, the levels in that thing, and the levels that I'm crafting now, which are, like, really involved affairs with, like, you know, multiple layers vertically and jump pads and lava and, you know, like, they're, you know, visually more uh, interesting and they tickle your mind in, in various ways with, yeah, it's like, a, it's like night and day. Um, but I think that's like uh, it's hard. if I had started trying to do that though uh, I w probably wouldn't have gotten there right away and I wouldn't have had a product that I could show people uh, and get feedback on uh, to craft it and make it better and change it over time uh, to be more of a compelling experience. Um, yes. Nice. So, you guys interrupt, interrupt me anytime while I'm rambling about this stuff, by the way. No, that, 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 <laughs> that was, was super all, interesting. That was all great. Uh, I just want to make one comparison. So what you're saying is your game is like an ogre or possibly a parfait. It, it mm. has layers? has layers. Everybody likes a parfait? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry, yep. I had to bring Shrek into this. Um, That's true. That's true. I'm not sure why, but okay. He said He said onion. <laughs> He said That's onion, and it was there in my head the whole time. I, I <laughs> that, was the part, that was the part that really keyed you off. <laughs> it, it, yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry about that. It's brutally satisfying <laughs> like an ogre, um, and also charming and funny. That's, that's my goal. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Well, for people that don't know what... Um, Clone Drone in the Danger Zone is. Can you kind of give us the spiel 
of of what the the game is that you're that you're making. Sure. Uh, yeah, so it's a uh, like a third-person uh, sword fighter where um, you're trapped in an arena as a robot gladiator, and uh, basically any any body part of the enemies or yourself can be cut off using the magic of voxel technology. So uh, it's different I, I feel, from many games. I feel like we haven't heard like people talk about the magic of voxel technology in a few years now like that was that was super popular for i don't know six (laughs) months eight months and then we even talked to king voxel it's we we did er, er, very early on that was that was one of our first oh you did uh yeah it was a a game called king voxel and it was a zelda kind of inspired (laughs) game top down you know old school zelda right Um, right right and uh, everything was was made of, of voxels it's um, interesting, but yeah, it is. It is now 2017, and I think you are mm-hmm. first voxel game that we've talked about in a while. So, a while. so why <laughs> why go voxels? Uh, I think the promise of voxels, and you can tell, you can see this in uh, Minecraft as well, uh, is basically the ability to deform stuff in real time because it's so simple. Um, I feel like that is like when when voxels shine from a mechanical point of view. There are other good things about them too. Like the art style is s- simple and very stylish, uh, which makes it easy to uh, create uh, art very quickly for it. Uh, and you can make like pretty good looking art, uh, but it's more like you're sculpting it, like you're painting it, compared to you know uh, industrially designing it. Uh, if you see what I mean. Uh, more like you're in an MS Paint than you know AutoCAD uh, to make a comparison that maybe mm-hmm. doesn't make sense, but uh, but yeah, like I feel like uh, voxels are the best when they can actually be deformed in real time, and that's kind of what Clone Drone is uh, is taking advantage of. Um, it's really really satisfying from a, just a raw sort of feedback point of view when you cut someone with a sword and it actually behaves as you would expect it to behave. Like you cut them in a you know horizontal swipe. Maybe it takes off like the shoulder and one of the arms and the head, and it just kind of goes flying, mm-hmm. and the rest of the body just stands there. Um, it kind of you know gives you a lot of uh, creativity to play with. Um, uh, in a similar way, you know, like. It's not used for the same for the same purpose, but Minecraft is an amazing game still. You know, mainly because uh, you know the the environment can be uh, reshaped based on player action, and I feel like that is when voxels really shine. Um, when you can like you know they kind of allow you to have more of an impact on the world. Uh, you can change it in more uh, fundamental ways than you can. In like uh, a typical game where everything is like a, you know, three D model. Most of them don't behave like they would behave in real life if you kicked them or you know pushed them over or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That would be my hot take on voxels. I don't know. Uh, nice. I think that, I think that's a good take on them. I, I think that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's super fair. I think that's the the main promise of them. I think I don't know. Maybe it's just harder to do everybody thought it would be like easy because i don't know minecraft is not a pretty game by any means and mm-hmm. it made a billion dollars and i don't know <laughs> right. people just got into that for the 
the, the right reason. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, I think I, in the game development community, there are certainly a ton of Minecraft clones now um, trying to capitalize on the popularity and and you know, and also on just like the core thing that makes Minecraft awesome, the ability to reshape models in real time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope people start cloning the ideas of my game. That would be incredibly uh, <laughs> amazing if they started doing that. <laughs> Indeed. Um, Indeed. That's, that's the new goal. That's, that's what everybody wants. Yes. If, if you can be cloned, you have arrived. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna call it clone, clone, and the clone zone. Uh, possibly. Just drop the drone. That's yes, yes, and it is. It is the clone zone. Not not. It is not dangerous at all. It is just filled <laughs> with clones. So so back back to robot arena fighting. Then, mm-hmm. um, how many robots are are killing each other at the same time? Uh, it varies a little bit. I think uh, I try to limit it to about fifteen for performance reasons on low end machines. A lot of robots. Are all those people? No, they okay. are robots. They're robots. Oh, one yes. of them. One of them is a person. One of them is a person. Okay, but I mean, are 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 those people controlling those robots? Like not story wise, but like people like actual multiplayer wise. Oh, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, all right. Like, this is getting really dark. I was like, what's going on? Uh, what's, what's happening? Story. No, um, uh, no, it's uh, it's only single player right now. Okay. Uh, I think multiplayer is our most requested feature. Comes up all the time, but um, we're basically trying to keep the momentum high right now. Mm-hmm. And starting in on multiplayer would uh, completely freeze development on other things for a long time. So that's not where we want to be right now since we just launched. Right now, we're just going to pump out updates to the game at a really high clip and have them be spectacular and interesting in order to drive ever more people into the game so that everyone eventually owns the game on Earth. (laughs) <laughs> yes. No. Okay. So that maybe that's the new goal. Not not to be cloned, but everybody <laughs> on Earth is playing the game. That's right. that that may be exactly yeah, a loftier goal. Yeah, you know, <laughs> or at least you know half. <laughs> works, you get, if you don't aim, if you if you <laughs> never aim for the modest. stars, you never half you never hit them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, it's really hard to know what to expect in terms of your uh, business success. So, I mean, I think of it more like just like, oh, as many people as humanly possible, you know, that it is within my influence to to get playing this game because the game is compelling to them, essentially. So, and I have no idea what that is, and my mood will be affected accordingly, I guess. <laughs> in, in trying to reach the most people, is this um, starting as just a computer release? Do you have any kind of, like, um, uh, plat- other oh, yeah. platform plans? Uh, so, yeah, let me tell you about that. Uh, it's actually been live for six months on a website called itch.io. Yes, itch.io. They're That's cool. right. Those are good people. There's some there's some weird stuff out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some weird people on, on that website. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's really good, though, because yeah. uh, it's not as big as Steam. No, and that's uh, kind of that's kind of good, because it, like... 
Steam is a powerhouse, but it's real easy to get lost on Steam. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's like, uh, and Itch.io is great as well because um, it's just so easy to use, mm -hmm. and you can email them, and they'll email you back, and they'll you know help you solve whatever problem or, or whatever it is you have. Uh, whereas Steam, it's almost impossible to talk to a real person. Um, it's just like you enter it into the you know the 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 big machine yep. and hope hope for the best. And Somewhere somehow a gay bot is is talking to you. Just right. I, I feel like there's a parallel here with your game. That's right. And I'm just gonna leave that there. But yeah, I feel yeah. like there's something there. <laughs> so a lot of resonant themes throughout this yeah. conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's actually been great. So we've been on uh, itch.io for uh, six months, and uh, during that time, we've released uh, five updates to the game uh, that are sort of major in that they introduce some some really big new feature uh, or whatever. So, uh, and what that has let us do is to really kind of see how people uh, receive these features and what they think about the game and the balance and so on. Like we've spent a lot of time uh, making sure we listen to people in the excellent sort of uh, forums that uh, HIO provides. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like, um, oh, and the second part of that is, of course, uh, YouTube. Uh, we have been fortunate enough that uh, there has been a strong interest uh, among the uh, YouTuber community to make Clone Drone and the Danger Zone videos. And that has been fantastic, both from a marketing point of view, but also from a playtesting point of view, because sure. it just gives you a ton of raw sort of footage of people playing your game. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see where people stumble, where the usability breaks down, where maybe some robot, some enemy that you've made is super overpowered and just too hard or too easy or not satisfying in some way. So it's been a really, really powerful resource for us uh, improving the game over time. Um, so that has been fantastic. Um, and uh, are you guys aware, we actually recently launched a game on Steam mm -hmm. uh, um, mm -hmm. on <laughs> March 16th. And uh, it felt less like, you know, uh, a crunchy sort of, you know, nerve-wracking mess of a launch and more like, oh, this is update six. Uh, we've done five of these, now we're doing this one too. Uh, and I feel like a lot of the really bad bugs, not to say that we don't have any bugs, but a lot of the really bad bugs we've already sort of you know hardened on uh, HIO, which has been really good. Uh, and we've also built a fan base by now, so being able to throw that fan base onto Steam uh, also I think has helped with the initial impact uh, that the game has had. And uh, the initial interest in the uh, YouTube community, a lot of the times uh, you release a game and uh, the way it typically happens is it snowballs over time, uh, if it's going to happen at all. Like you have a few small streamers who uh, pick it up and they start playing it, and then the medium ones look at those ones and they're like, oh, oh I see, uh, maybe that's cool, I don't know. And then like, you know, eventually maybe you get some big ones, but only after you've built up a lot of, a lot of smaller ones uh, being interested in it for a long time. So, um, but with this one, we kind of just had a lot of people making videos for it on launch day, which was really good um, for uh, the launch stats, I think. Um, so, yes. 
That's at, just out of um of curiosity. Ha, have you noticed kind of a? I know it's it's kind of soon, so I don't know if you can really compare six months to you know a, a week or two. Um, but have you noticed a difference in kind of the communities of like the itch.io people and and the Steam people? Mm-hmm. So no one has written any fan art on Steam yet. Uh, that's a little disappointing, maybe. <laughs> um, but other than that, I feel like you have. Um, I feel like the people on Steam have also been kind of, you know, nice people. <clears throat> uh, you have. I feel like the number of uh, requests for uh, free copies of the game has definitely gone up a bit, uh, quite a bit. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, that, that's great that people are interested in it. Um, but I think, like, I mean, sometimes there are some stereotypes, I think, among among developers that the Steam crowd is angrier, I think, that they are, you know, more unforgiving. Um, I haven't really noticed that too much. Like, we have maybe, I think it's, like, three bad reviews or something, and, and one of them is, like, yeah, I kind of liked the game, but I wouldn't recommend it to others. Like, I don't know. It's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's not like, you know, there aren't any, like, haters on there. It's more like, oh, that wasn't for me. Oh, okay, great. Uh, sure. That's very a very reasonable opinion. It's not for everyone. Um, but, yeah, no, I haven't really seen much of a difference. Like, you get the same sort of questions in the same sort of language on both sides, you know. Hey, I have a question dual wielding enough said boom like you know those sort of threats uh a lot um or like you know the more thoughtful sort of you know hardcore fans were like let me tell you a story of scorpion tron 6000 he has 17 different modes of attack and you're like that is amazing i'm probably not gonna do that exactly as you wrote it but thank you so much for this inspirational tale uh I'll make sure he yells that at the start of battle. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, it's it's really cool. You get some really engaged people, uh, and I'm so grateful for anyone who who gives these sorts of ideas. And, you know, and sometimes it's like people give really cool ideas, and you're like, you don't do what they say, but maybe you identify what is cool about their idea, and then you do that, or something that resonates with that instead of the actual idea that they had. like an example maybe would be people wanted a sprint ability, so I made a jetpack that uh, lets you kind of, you know, just zoom quickly everywhere and you can like lock uh, cuts. So you like you hold out your sword while flying forward and that's like a special attack. So it's like it's more like the cool thing is going fast and like forward and, and stuff. So um, but but jetpacks are way cooler than um than sprinting, have, so yes, yeah, you, have you to made run, the right choice there. Every, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that's actually like I say, oh, that was from an idea, and it was more actually I built it into the model from day one because I was like, yeah, the robot can obviously fly sometimes, you know, um, because the Iron Man can do that, so my robot can do that too. That's cool with a sword. That was like actually my very earliest sort of ideas. Like you have a flying mecha suit, and you're actually a human in a mech, not an actual robot. And you're flying around fighting people with a glowing energy sword, um, but then that didn't actually happen like that. So, uh, but you can sort of see the remnants of some of the same thinking going into the design of the initial version of the game. Um, but yeah, anyway, takeaway from all that is like, yeah, the community on both Itch.io and Steam, I think, they're both pretty good. 
uh, at least uh, the people who have been engaging with um, this game. Of course, it's possible that many of the people who used to be on uh, HIO have wandered into the community on Steam and are infecting it with being great people. So I don't know. It's probably a mix. <laughs> Um, you have people who are not great on HIO as well, um, but not that many. I think everyone is is a is a wonderful little person um, so far. It's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> can Can you talk about uh, the upgrade? You You mentioned uh, the jetpack. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. What What do you want to know? You uh, want to know like what is in there right now, or yeah, what's coming? Yeah, what's in there, and uh, <laughs> and what do you have uh, dreams and aspirations for? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, the upgrades right now, uh, I basically only have uh, three major weapons in the game. It's the sword, uh, it's the hammer, and it's the bow. Um, and uh, part of my design philosophy in uh, making upgrades and making weapons is that I want them to feel very different. So when you're choosing uh, which one you want, you're making a choice that feels interesting and meaningful and has a different result. Uh, like many games have like, oh, this is a plus one sword versus just another a sword. This is like a uh, a curved sword, but it, it, it works exactly like a normal sword, uh, and it does 20 versus 25 damage or something, but oh, like, it's very, very similar. So in this game, I kind of wanted to be like, oh, no, you have the sword. It is, you know, reasonably quick. Um, you can block stuff with it. It's kind of a versatile weapon. You can block arrows if you get that upgrade uh, with the sword. Uh, so it kind of deflects them back at the person who shot the arrow or just, like, into someone else, which is really fun. Um, you can uh, sort of, you know, you can, like, dart around and be very quick, make strategic uh, cuts with it. Uh, then there's the hammer, which uh, we made uh, recently as well. Uh, it can't block anything. It can't even block other weapons. So you be, you have to kind of be very, very careful with your movements uh, when using it. It's also really slow uh, to swing around, but it's really big, and it's really powerful, and it can't be blocked either. So no one can block the hammer. They can only get out of the way of the hammer. Uh, which makes it a very interesting weapon in contrast with the sword, which is like you can strike and then they block your strike and then you can move to the side. It's like more of a quick sort of gameplay. But the hammer is more like you, you run into a group of people and you swing it and everyone is sent flying uh, and then you get <laughs> shot in the head by an arrow you didn't see uh, because you can't block anything. Um, that's sort of like how that plays more. Um and then the bow is more like the ranged weapon of the game that uh, consumes energy. So it's like energy arrows that you craft in real time, and the energy recharges over time, uh, which is more like it's basically like an infinite range weapon. Uh, you can upgrade it a lot to um, make it so you have arrows that are wider. This is a fun thing about this game, by the way. Um, the size of weapons uh, kind of matter a lot because there is there are no hit points in the game. No one has hit points. It's like you can shoot someone, you know, ten times with a bow, and they can still be alive. Like if you just pick, you can shoot off like a bit of the shoulder, you shoot them straight through their torso, but you don't sever anything. So they're just like, yeah, whatever. Um, I'm still intact. I'm gonna come after you. Uh, you know, you can take off one of their arm, take off one of their legs, uh, that sort of thing. 
So a lot of the arrows are actually ways to deal with this sort of very non-traditional damage model that is in the game. Uh, for example, having really wide arrows makes it easier to hit someone because, uh, or when you hit them, it's more likely that the arrow completely just like cuts them in two as opposed to just cuts uh, like next them and cuts up half their, half their body uh, and that sort of thing. So that's something that's been really interesting to design. Um, similarly, in the, uh, in the launch that we just launched, to launch it, uh, it was launched too many times. Yeah, in the, in the recent <laughs> launch, the recent update, um, Fire was a big sort of addition to the game. Uh, and Fire is really interesting because you still have to cut the person as normal. Like you can have a fire sword, you can have fire arrows, you can have a hammer that also sets them on fire if they survive you swinging the hammer at them. Um, and what it does is it kind of makes the uh, impact area spread from the point where you cut them to the adjacent voxels in the model, um, which is really fun because uh, a lot of the really big enemies, because they're so big, uh, your sword relative to their body is small. So even if you hit them, you might not kill them. You might kind of just like make a dent in them. So what fire does is it, from the, po from the point where you hit them, uh, it kind of spreads out from there and and has the potential to like sever their head from their torso or their torso from their legs. And that's kind of what kills you. Um, so that has been really, really fun to play with. Um, as sort of a way to make you deal more damage by just extending, like destroying more of your body in a very, very real and physical sense. Mm -hmm. And also it's just awesome to see things on fire. That's really satisfying. So that was really... That is, what, that is true. Yes. That was like the primary motivation for making fire in this game. And the secondary was like, this actually makes a lot of sense from a game mechanics point of view. Um, yeah. So those are some of the updates. There are also stuff like kick. You can kick people over into saw blades or spikes or lava or into somebody else's sword while they're swinging um, or just like down onto the ground and then you can walk over and kill them that way. So that's also a very fun, versatile uh, sort of upgrade uh, you can get. Uh, what else? Yeah, I mentioned the jetpack. It's really fun for getting around quickly, um, for like starting to cut and then like extending your the range of your weapons um so yeah it's actually part of how combat works in the game that i think is different from any games is that it's very accurate and that it um respects where your sword is if your sword is next to you you can't block arrows if you get an arrow to the face that's that's, um, that's true um, but if your sword is in front of you you can um so it's kind of interesting that way. Uh, it's like it goes deeper in terms of the simulation of combat than many other games do. Um, and the reason it can do that is that, you know, you have these voxel graphics that are pretty, they're, they're pretty simple to make and put together. Um, and you have, and by now we have this kind of really cool system that you can just say, oh, you were damaged here. Uh, figure out what happens as a consequence. Like, oh, my arm fell off, you know, because part of the arm parts were damaged in some way. So it's not like, say, uh, Batman Arkham Asylum or Shadow of Mordor or something where, or Assassin's Creed, 
or any sort of uh, thing like that where you're just going to mash a button and the character magically jumps to the nearest enemy and punches them. Mm -hmm. You know, it seeks where they are. It doesn't happen at all in this game. Nothing seeks where you are. If you swing near someone, they if they jump at that time, you miss, you don't hit them. So it's very kind of interesting that way and in that it's very the accuracy of that lends itself really well to a very skill-based uh system where you really feel like you have you know like you have a very visceral sort of skill in like actually moving your weapons around and your body around uh in a way that 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 is very sort of you know like what you do has an impact on the world mm-hmm. and you can understand why something didn't work most of the time because you didn't hit the right spot uh, or something like that. At least that's my design thinking for designing all this. And sometimes it doesn't quite work like that. But I think to a large degree it has. And, and that makes it really interesting to both to work on and to play, I think. Um, yes. Sure. Yeah, Any, sounds, sounds interesting. Sounds great. <laughs> um, I uh, can. So I, I dabbled in the game some um, last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I found one of the most amusing things to be the commenter bots. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you writing all of the dialogue for that? Where, where did you come <laughs> up with the idea for having these uh, two kind of idiotic, but also very straight faced, um, mm-hmm. you know, robots talking about, you know, the, the reason that we use robots instead of humans is because humans, you know, are, are messy right. and, you know, bloodless humans don't work either. I think, no, I think that exactly. was my favorite line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of make up most of the world building in the game just by talking uh, incessantly about what is happening and why it's happening and what's going to happen and so on. Um, so the way, let's see what to answer first. Uh, the way I came up with doing that was actually for a game jam. Uh, it was the global game jam of 2016, where I made another game uh, in like three days, which was called uh, the Afternoon Tea Simulator, um, which is basically a way. Uh, was a game around uh, serving tea to uh, two people sitting at a, a lord and the lady sitting at a table, uh, and your objective as the, as the mute sort of server was to serve them tea. And uh, they would then sort of remark upon what, uh, you know, uh, hello, um, very good, very good. Uh, oh, dear, the tea had too much milk or whatever. They had like a continuous stream of dialogue going in a similar way that what, what we ended up with in Clone Drone. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of like, I can't, I guess I just kind of, I, I'm not sure how it happened exactly, but I was just attracted to the idea that uh, of building up, you know, uh, a sense of the world or the objective or what the game, like giving you feedback from people who were mostly talking about you or about something else, but not not to you, not with you. Um, when, when, it, when, it's, when, you know, when you have games where people talk to you, um, you go into, you know, uh, RPG land where you have to now uh, choose what your, your response is going to be. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I kind of, through this Game Jam prototype, started to think about what it, what would it be like to have, you know, uh, people talk 
about what is happening and they, they sometimes they talk to you but the only way you can respond is through your actions in the game uh, and then they talk you know about those actions and give you feedback on what you're doing um, and this turns out to be an extremely cost efficient way of writing dialogue because you don't have any choices um, you just have triggers for what triggers the dialogue um, so that's kind of like, again, this is sort of, it ended up being this thing born out of a very sort of, you know, uh, pragmatic sense of, well, what can I do to like, you know, add character and life to the world in a, in a way that is cheap and achievable? Uh, and this turned out to be uh, one of those ways, uh, wearing my, you know, production hat, my, uh, my sort of planning hat. Um, but from the create from a creative point of view, it's also amazing because once you've set up the system where um, all of the dialogue, by the way, in the game is done by uh, text to speech. Uh, so oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also very fitting and that actually influence. It does. It uh, I was that was going to be one of my questions. Uh, yeah. it sounds very robot like. Exactly. <laughs> the best place is, to is, use text-to-speech. That's, that's right. It's the most authentic robot voice you will ever find because uh, <laughs> it's actually real robots talking. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but but just from a you know production point of view, it's amazing because all I have to do to uh, get this stuff into the game is uh, press a button and it downloads all my spreadsheets, generates all the files, and now it's in the game, um, which is really good so from a like putting on my game designer uh, hat it's really fun just to write a lot of dialogue um, because it's so easy to do you don't have to think very hard to do it you can just kind of like get enormous quantities of it out and of course some of it is not very good and you have to change it and, and listen to it and play test and so on but it makes you able to work at a really high level solving a really you know a really high-level, wonderful, interesting problem, which is like, oh, what are they saying? And like, what is what is this? Um, so it's kind of a combination, I think, of just like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this was a thing? And, uh, and, and just like, oh, pragmatically, this makes a ton of sense because I can do this really quickly. Um, and another thing, uh, contrasting this game with the previous game that I ended up canceling is... The previous game had a very serious story. It was like this emotional drama of, you know, like uh, personalities interacting and stuff. And like that stuff is really hard to write. But it's not that hard to write, like, you know, a bunch of irreverent robots who are, like, just talking smack uh, about this uh, human challenger who's up next and, like, making weird puns about whatever is happening with hammers or something, um, you know, in the match in front of you. That that turns out to be very easy to write, and if you get it slightly off, it's not so big of a deal because there's so many other things that they're saying later that, um, yeah, it's uh, it's just ended up being a really interesting system, and uh, and, I, and I find just from a personal skill set point of view, I'm better at writing funny dialogue than I am at serious character arcs with dramatic twists and and <laughs> you know an emotional climax at the end where what was hinted at is finally fulfilled and that sort of thing, um, which, you know, goes into good writing or so I've heard. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that's some of the background on that. And uh, I, sh I should also say I have uh, an assistant writer on the project who uh, it's the only thing he does. He kind of dives in sometimes and 
I just say, hey, could you write the dialogue for this or that? And he kind of just does that. Or more variants for when you start the endless mode and he writes 20 variants that are great. Um, so that's been really good as well to have a collaborator uh, working a little bit. And uh, we find uh, stealing each other's jokes prototypes a bit. Like he wrote some wonderful stuff about water, for example, like humans seem to be obsessed with water and so on. And that's a theme that I've been <laughs> uh, running with and, 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 and more of the dialogue and so on, like the robot confusion about how humans work. And like they have a mental model. It's not quite accurate, but they don't care. They, they, they you know, <laughs> they don't worry about that. They're, you know, just talking about these inferior organic beings. Um, yeah, that is that is wonderful. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> um, now, th this is really just a, a personal question. Um, I I like to play video games with a controller. Mm -hmm. Does this game have controller support, and or are you planning on controller support? Thank you for your feedback. Sometimes <laughs> some people have expressed the desire to play with a controller. We empathize with your desire and will possibly implement it in the future. But right now, it does not support controller. Yeah, no, seriously, it's in the backlog somewhere. Uh, or we might do it at some point. <laughs> but not today. But <laughs> not what do we say to controller support? Not, Not today. today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this is one of the things I think that is so critical uh, to being a small studio. You have to say no to so many things that on the surface seem great, but there is some other thing you should rather be doing that would actually have a bigger impact. So, yes. Um, you don't have any more questions, then let's move on to the end game. Well, and so I, I, had, I had one, one, one question. Do um, it. And that was so. You, you mentioned that the you know the game is out on. There's been out on itch.io for a while. It is now out on Steam. Um, do you have a projected date for like the the you know 1.0 version of the game? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe next year sometime. Okay. Uh, just like finger in the air. Uh, but. I feel like uh, one thing that people get wrong about games sometimes is that they can be done. Uh, that's a very arbitrary line in the sand sometimes, depending on what kind sure. of game it is. If you have a linear story game, uh, then yeah, you can probably draw a line in the sand. It's like when you beat the final boss and have the sort of, you know, nice sort of, you know, sequence after that, the game is done. Now we're done. Um, yeah. But I don't really feel like that about this game. Um, we tend to focus more about the delta between where it is now and where it's going to be next month with the next update. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm viewing the game more as uh, an entertainment as a service, if you see what I mean, um, where we're thinking about it more like a live game that is like constantly updated, uh, bringing you, you know, back to the game again and again which makes you not shut up about it to your friends, so they will also get the game eventually after you just rave about it for seven months. Um, and, you know, uh, also, like, from a marketing perspective, um, whenever we update the game, it gets, like, you know, a lot of YouTube coverage. Um, so we're treating it more like a service in that sense, that we want to kind of just grow and engage our player base over time um, with our spectacular updates to the game. 
And of course, it's all pointing towards a point where we can say, now we could technically say that this game is done because the story is done. That's like the most glaring thing right now that is not done. It just leaves you on a cliffhanger. It's like, okay, this happened. End of chapter two. To be continued, dot, dot, dot. Um, That's what's in the game right now. But I would say that many of the other uh, sort of things in the game, we could probably ship and call them done with a straight face. Uh, We're not going to, but we could. Uh, Like uh, Endless Mode, for example, people have played it for hours, which uh, you could interpret as something that could be done for a $15 game, you know? Um, So, yeah, we don't have a straight answer for you on that. And when it is done... It will be more to draw a lot of hype to the fact that it's now amazing in some new and interesting way than, oh, we finally laid the last brick in this boring wall we've been building, so so to speak, <laughs> or this boring house, rather. Um, so, yes. Okay, uh, well, that's good, good answer, though. Good answer. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. Uh, so okay, Brian. Now that that was my last question. You can. Okay. <laughs> well, we'd like to end our interviews with a bit of a questionnaire. Uh, this mm-hmm. one's aimed more at you than at the game or the company, and uh, it can be a little difficult. So don't worry if you got to think things through. Uh, but we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, first question: um, Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Protagonist, you yes. say. Good guy, anti-hero, whoever the character, yeah, the character that the player would be playing as. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me think about that for thirty seconds before answering. Uh, and my phone is buzzing a bit. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. So people chiming in with the the answer they want you to give. Uh, yeah, can I call <laughs> for for this? Uh, sorry, I have to mute my phone really quickly. It's, uh, okay, this, this should probably be better. Okay, so um, my favorite, favorite protagonist, I mean, it's very hard to say. I'm trying to think of who it is. The, probably the one that I enjoyed playing the most is probably uh, Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII, uh, not because he's such a great, well-drawn, well-rounded character or anything, just because that game, was, I played it when I was like 16 or 14 or something like that, and it blew my mind completely. So, um, <laughs> because I'd never seen anything like that before. It's easy to blow the mind of children, you know. Um, yeah, no, I, I, found, uh, I found that kind of compelling, uh, the, uh, the slowly unraveling mystery around him and so on. But I, I wouldn't necessarily want to grab a beer with him or anything uh, as a person. Um, yeah, I don't know. Tough question. I don't really have one that I'm particularly in love with that's like, oh, my God, I have a picture of this person on my wall or anything. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> Flipping the yeah. coin. Oh, it looks like we lost Jonathan again, but that's all right. We keep going. Flipping the coin. Um, who's your favorite antagonist? I love this question mm. so much more. Who's your favorite bad guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I don't want to just blurt out an answer because I might be missing an amazing person somehow. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not going to answer that it's like, uh, Stapriot! Because uh, <laughs> that would be 
be a little it's bit too amazingly too uh, like that is a lot of times the first one that people reach for and then their answer yeah. is no 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 it's not him no 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 no, no. <laughs> clearly not clearly not him like he's not that interesting as a person really or as an antagonist he's, it's not, just he's, the he's very like artfully designed he has mm-hmm. a, you know, he has a great look to him, but when you get down to it, it's like, ah, he's kind of boring. He's not that interesting. Yeah, exactly. He has the best theme song yes. of anyone, of course. Has the best metamorphosis. I don't know, but no, probably not him. Ah, shit. Well, let's see. Hmm. It's not Diablo Eater. Not Bowser. Who is it? It might actually be my my favorite antagonist is probably uh uh what's his face uh one of the orcs in uh Shadow of Mordor. I think as a plural antagonist they are my favorite antagonist. Uh I feel like there are a few games that have really drawn out such uh such sort of personal uh, such a feeling of personal vengeance uh in games that I've played. And uh, I think that's something really unique and interesting. Uh, so I would probably say, uh, I don't know, like Dirt Eater or whatever, Shitworm, whatever. Absolutely. I will accept all of them, <laughs> the orcs in general, because they were such a – everybody had their own story who played that. Yeah. And even and like, was... I, like I, I, I love that combat system and the way that works, but even with that, mm-hmm. like there were still ones that managed to get under your skin. Yeah, and it's like no, exactly. I, this is I. I will go running throughout this entire fortress and yeah. just kill you because you have it coming. Exactly, it's just yeah. like I will ignore these three other guys to chase after you, you fucking little like yeah. you know. I'm gonna get to you. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, probably my favorite, and I hope that sort of thing continues for a long time to come. Yeah in the game industry, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. We will see. Looking forward to seeing what they're doing with their next game. <laughs> uh, if I ever go uh, away from my game for long enough, I will I will definitely disappear into that game for a while. Uh, next, next question, kind of seeing uh, where things are going. Um, are there any trends uh, in video games right now uh, that uh, you, you think more people should kind of be paying attention to? Hmm. Hmm, 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 hmm. That more people should be paying. Yeah, maybe some, something small that you've noticed, maybe an indie dev or or even just uh, somewhere else that you know people should have eyes on. <laughs> I mean, it is really cool. Like, I love seeing very small indie teams do amazing work that are of like ever increasing uh, complexity. I think. Um, like I follow a lot of people on Twitter and it's just like a one or two uh, person team, but because tools are so good now, they can just make these really amazing games, uh, relatively inexpensive. Uh, and I feel like that is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh, actually, okay, 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 here we go. I actually have a much better answer than that. <laughs> okay. In- interactive Twitch experiences. Yeah, oh, okay. So like Twitch, Twitch plays Pokemon, that kind of thing. Even, even, uh, even better. Mm-hmm. Twitch plays against a streamer, and everyone is having a good time. Um, that's kind of a thing that I've looked around for a bit, and I think it's a really, it's a thing that is in its infancy. Yes. Uh, right now, we've actually we've made some forays into it with uh, Clone in the Danger Zone, so- Clone Drone in the Danger Zones, uh, Twitch mode where people can like spawn enemies and uh, bet on how they're going to die. 
Uh, and there are like other games in development uh, like that right now. Um, I know uh, Outpost Games are building a thing called the SOS, which is like a multiplayer game that is uh, streamed where um, it's sort of like the Hunger Games, but uh, the audience is sort of like interacting a little bit, like, you know, the, the um, you know, I'm not actually sure what their functionality is. They're sort of still in the in the early stages, but, you know, you could imagine what it might be like, you know, mm-hmm. dropping supply drops and, and things like that. Um, and I feel like the technology for that is is here right now. That is perfectly possible to do. Uh, very cheaply. I got a Twitch chat in my game in like a week. Super simple, and the rest is just engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's technically very easy to do these sort of games, but because there aren't enough good examples of, hey, look at this, it's working, it's it's really cool, it's something you've never seen before, I think we're going to see more games like that over the coming years. Uh, and it's only it will probably only take one or two ones that make it really big uh, before they start getting a lot of you know um, games inspired by them and so on. So um, I think uh, what is it? I think it's Tiny Build made a one. It's like a VR experience where um, you're. I think you're like a you're a you're like a rock band on a stage, but you're malfunctioning, so you have to kind of like freeform entertain your Twitch audience <laughs> while like you're trying to get the sound back uh, up and running. And it's like multiplayer. People can like throw bottles at you, and they can like you know they're like kappa kappa kappa, you know, like they're uh-huh. like typing the Twitch chat, and the emoticons show up in the audience and that sort of thing. Like their messages kind of sh- are surfaced in the game. Um, I feel like that is a thing where um, that's super underexploited right now. Surfacing audiences that are watching someone in, in, in like a live stream in the game that has like a huge potential. Potential, and there are a lot of people like that that are trying to explore it. Like uh, there's one called Streamline. Uh, what's the other one? Something Room. Uh, all kinds of games are kind of uh, starting to explore it. I don't think anyone has gotten gotten it quite right yet um, in terms of being like a a uh, super novel transcendent experience mm-hmm. and uh yeah that's something i'm super interested in and uh we we've been experimenting with twitch mode in and in, in our game for since the uh, end of last year which is not that long um but maybe by the end of next year or you know by this year we'll have crafted it into something really interesting i feel like there's like there are so few blueprints for how to do that well that it's a really exciting i uh, think to think about uh, so if you're a game developer listening to this, uh, go into the Unity Asset Store right now, purchase Twitch Chatter from the excellent Kurt something or other, uh, Dragonloft Games. Um, it's like not expensive and it takes you a day to set up and now you have a Twitch chat in your game. So <laughs> please do that and please make amazing games and launch them on Twitch and you know work that viral magic and let's revolutionize how people watch and play games. Uh, yes, that's my take on that. That is fantastic. Uh, flipping the corn on this one, um, are there any kind of tropes or, or anything that you'd like to see kind of games step away from? Uh, I don't know. Misogyny, possibly? That's a good uh, one. It's really tiresome to uh, see uh, skimpily clad women in games uh, that 
where you can tell that it was just designed for some 14-year-old males to uh, look at. I think that sort of thing is really uh, excludes a lot of potential uh, game players that, you know, they feel it's not for them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, that sucks. Um, I feel like people could do much better very easily, just make some different decisions uh, when they, you know, construct their games because it's completely within their power to make it a classy experience that is less tacky uh, and more appealing to more people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That is what perfect answer. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Next question. Going to go a little goofy. If mm-hmm. you had the opportunity, no restrictions, to try any other profession, is there anything else you would like to be outside of a game creator? Mm, good question. Uh, maybe an animator. I love animations. Uh, tangential, maybe. Uh, possibly a novelist. Could write a novel over a long period of time uh, in a soul-crushing sort of way. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I like telling stories. Uh, I like entertaining people. Uh, I don't think musician would be in the cards. Or are you saying no restriction in the sense that I would actually be good at it? Or... Yeah, absolutely. Like if you oh. if you just oh, had oh. you were like, hey, I've got the time to devote to this. I can be good at it. I can do whatever I want. What would you love to do? Hmm. Interesting. Uh... I don't know. Maybe. Maybe if I had superpowers, I could like just heal people or something. <laughs> some sort of management consultant that actually changes the world in some way, uh, making people make better decisions or something. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like uh, if I was actually good at it, I would love to be a great artist uh, who can draw or uh, sculpt stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. It's really fun seeing people uh, who are just like able to create things and with minimal sort of brush strokes and uh, or whatever it is they're doing, they kind of just make something take shape uh, in front of them. It's so, such a wonderful magical thing uh, to see that. So yeah, that would be really cool if if I could just like if I had like one matrix thing, like I could get one thing downloaded like oh now i know kung fu i wouldn't cho- choose uh, kung fu because it has less sort of you know a day-to-day applications i'd probably choose uh, i don't know being a fantastic artist of some sort who could uh, make super evocative uh, arts that would be really cool mm-hmm. so it's maybe too similar but uh, I, i'm a simple mind a simple minded fun. guy that's, you know that's <laughs> one of the what's one of the great re- one of the great reasons that i i really I'm glad that they have like a Twitch creative, um, mm-hmm. because uh, see, even if it's just sitting there and watching like you know old episodes of Bob Ross painting, uh, to <laughs> see what that dude can do in half an hour to like a yeah. blank canvas um, right. is absolutely mind blowing. When I wouldn't even be able to comprehend that <laughs> over a stretch of days. Yeah, it's like you can see that the techniques techniques he's using are very mm-hmm. simple. He's just kind of dotting this line a bit. He's doing, but it's like just like filling in something on a blank canvas from uh that like reflects something in his mind yep uh, and he's like trans- transferring it from his mind onto this thing and just playing with it it's, yeah it's really fun yeah it starts out as a uh, bunch of scribbles and then suddenly you look away for a second and there's this mountain exactly yeah, yeah. that's super cool yeah it, it one absolutely is uh mm-hmm. next question uh penultimate question 
Um, if you had the opportunity to go back and play a game for the first time, what would it be? <laughs> Maybe, uh... So, would I still have my current mental... Uh, like, I, my, my mind would be the same apart from the experience of not having played this game yet. Yeah, and I think it would be... I, I would like to picture it as, like, the when you play it this next time, it will be the your oh, optimal the experience for playing it. Like, yeah, even, yeah. If I mean, it's, I think... even if it's an old game where maybe the graphics don't hold up or there's different things that are done. Right. Like, when you play this for the first time... It is going to evoke the same things that you did that happened to you when you played it the first time before. before uh, yeah, I felt like I mean, maybe so. I think it's a tie between either Final Fantasy VII while being fourteen mm -hmm. because that just blew my mind completely. Uh, but I, I I feel like if I played it now uh, and I hadn't played it before, I would probably be like, eh. Whatever you know, mm -hmm. like or you know, oh, this is kind of this is kind of neat. I'm gonna get back to work now. Um, it's like I think any game you play when you're 14 that is decent is like blows your mind. So, but it, but it, but say I wasn't 14. Say I was uh, my current age, uh, 33. Uh, then I would say Planescape Torment uh, is probably the game that still has the best uh, capability of just given to any person who hasn't played it just to blow their mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like that game had such brilliant uh, sort of, you know, um, such a brilliant narrative, such a brilliant sort of, you know, uh, such brilliant just like t evocative uh, descriptions of what is happening. Like it's a very text-based game. Uh, for anyone who hasn't played it, it's like an... Uh, Baldur's Gate style uh, role playing game where you wander around, you know, in a top down view, you have multiple characters, you talk to people, you cast spells, you punch people, that sort of thing. Yep. But, but uh, the story and the way the story is delivered in a very text heavy way, uh, and like you see, like, oh, you enter this room, you can, you know, smell the, you know, the mold and the whatever, but better than, than that. Um, it's like very, very evocatively uh, written. So uh, I really, really, I some games, you know, you want to just click past mm -hmm. the boring text to get to the fun part. But this, but here they just give you a wall of text, and you're like, oh my god! And then what happened? You yeah, know? that is absolutely uh, one of the one of the best written games uh, yeah. ever released. Yes, so I would I would recommend that, and that one still holds up because the graphics don't matter that much in no. a game like that. Because so much of it is like just in your mind's eye. Uh, it will be a great game five years, ten years from now as well, um, because it's not it's not leaning on the graphics delivering the majority of the experience. It's more like enough to kind of sketch out what is happening here, and then it's the text that kind of paints the picture in your mind. So um, yes, that is. I would recommend that without much reservation to anyone mm -hmm. in the world. Uh, if they're not, maybe if they're not good at reading, they won't have. <laughs> have somebody yeah. read it to you. It'll it'll be better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. In a fantastic sort of voice. Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, final question, and this is uh, this is our weirdest question. Um, at the end of our lives, when we come mm -hmm. to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad mm -hmm. is there to greet us with the Book of Our Deeds, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Would you like to enter 
Enter this uh, this kingdom. Please give me five uh, mushroom dollars. <laughs> I like that That's... he charges an entrance fee. This is good. Yeah, Nintendo has sold that. It's the the, the first person who's ever suggested that Toad's actually just a bouncer waiting to collect a, a cover charge. Yeah. This, you know. Yes. Please, uh, it's 15 gems to be uh, let in, but you can also go refresh this timer for uh, to maybe enter in two days. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like not it. A super, not a super serious answer, but that's... No, that's, but you know fun. what? That's perfect. It also, you know, like that that question really <laughs> just goes to to speak to who you are. And some people like to take yeah. it down real dark. Uh, some people mm-hmm. like to like like to be light, and that's fine. I, I, I enjoy it. But that's it. Thank you very much. That's the end of the questions. You've, you've passed. I wish I yes. had some sort of uh, gift um, to give you for that. But um, <laughs> hopefully, barring any... Uh, any horrific technical difficulties that th- this night has pretty much given poor Jonathan, um, we will at least mm. have a, uh, a a podcast to look back on fondly. Cheers. I had a great time. Thank you so much, man. Uh, it's been a true pleasure. I know Jonathan would thank you as well um, if he were here, uh, but he's not. But, <laughs> you know, definitely uh, best wishes, man. Thanks so much for showing up. All right. Cheers. Cheers.